All right, so welcome to the very first episode of What Makes It Good. And today we're looking at one of my absolute favorite content creators on all of YouTube, because I think this guy is brilliant, really, really smart creator. And I think he really is just a genuine artist. You know, there's a lot of people on YouTube who are there partially for the money, partially for the fame, partially for whatever, who knows what it is in particular. Um, but the thing that I find uh, absolutely fantastic about this guy, Mr. Bill Wirtz, is that he seems to be there just to make the wacky, crazy shit that he makes. So question is, what is it that he makes? Let's take a look. Woke up in the morning, traveling straight into the sun. Told my friends and family I was gone. Looked back in the mirror, thought about who I had become. And I don't think that anything's gone wrong. Jumped out of my suitcase and went traveling down the road. Went back to the place where I was born. Thinking about my future, thinking about how far we have come. Oh, I don't think I'm gonna be gone home. All right, so <laughs> I obviously can see why he's one of my favorite dudes. So, of course, what presentation would not be complete without the introductory slide? So let's take a look at some Bill Wirtz basics, all right? This is for you people who may not know who, who Bill Wirtz is, have never seen his content, and you just want some stats. You want to know, why should I give a shit about this guy? And uh, there you have it. Well, first of all, subscribers. He has like 3.1 million subscribers. Pretty decent. Uh, his age, <laughs> honestly, I, I think he's a sort of musical deity that sort of transcends the realm of space and time to be honest but other other sources say he's roughly 31 i think that might be correct uh he started about 15 years ago and the way that i found that was if you go to his website uh he has a list he has an archive of all of the music and content that he's made since the dawn of time basically quite literally because he's ageless but since he started making it and that happened maybe 14 years ago and presumably you know he's been learning music before that in order to make that content but the 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 moment that he really you know came to uh his whole career came to fruition was maybe three to four years ago on youtube because he made stuff on vine he made stuff on tumblr he had his website he's been all over the place but really what set everything off was uh his two big videos which were uh the history of japan which is a sort of musical look at obviously the history of japan and that was uh, followed up by the history of the entire world i guess and uh this is of course you know speckled in there are all these you know 30 second songs a minute long song three minute long songs all that genre of thing but the history of japan was the first really big one and that really blew him up and that happened maybe three to four years ago but i think the interesting thing to note here is again he started doing this 14 his first upload 14 years ago i believe and i think the things to point out there that i really like pointing out is uh for some people who've looked up my pencil spinning video but uh i think that's a bad example but bill words is the perfect example of for people who are successful in creative mediums and another great example is casey neistat is you might have heard the phrase um it takes 10 years to be an overnight success and I don't think there's a better example than Bill Wirtz, because if you look at his past content, he's been just pumping out content almost every day for so long. And it took him forever. He's been doing this for 10 years and he had like 11, 10 subscribers. And then just one day he got a bit of traction on Vine, got a bit of traction on Tumblr, I believe, and then over to YouTube. And that slowly built up. And then with uh, History of Japan, it just absolutely blue blew his career out of the water it was insane so i think that's an important thing to keep in mind if you're out there thinking um thinking uh if you want to make a youtube career keep in mind that uh there is a ton of work on the back end of that so let's move on to his very first videos and here is just a little picture of his profile sorted by oldest videos first and what you'll notice is all of them are less than 10 seconds there's a few that are a bit longer and, uh, but the vast majority of them are very, very, very short uploaded five years ago. And he made them likely before that. Um, but these are the ones that he put on YouTube, which are, I think most of them. And 
What's so interesting is if you watch these, these are actually all small snippets of him basically practicing the techniques of colorful text, musical uh, little interludes, and uh, just like funny juxtapositions that he later goes to put on into all of his more popular videos and modern music, well, modern music, his, his more contemporary music that he's putting out. And so what I did is I actually went and put six or seven of these uh, in sequence so you can see just how short and snappy that they are. Okay, so we'll take a look. Die. <laughs> okay, so there's actually some more. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. So, so I actually, uh, I, I put more of them. I, we'll just have to listen to that again with the additional, additional pieces. Die. No. Yes. Whatever. Okay, so now we get on to why I like Bill's music and all of his content in general. And just so you know, like the la the previous few videos that I showed you, uh, <laughs> previous few videos that I showed you uh, were, I mean, they're old, right? And it's like, if you look at those, all of his modern stuff are just like, instead of taking those small pieces, I mean, they all take those small pieces and string them in a sequence along with extra bits of writing and, and complexity to create what he makes uh, nowadays, which we'll get into in a second. And uh, I thought it was very interesting because, uh, say, for example, if you look at my YouTube channel, I started by making like one joke that was 20 seconds long. And then the next one was a joke that was 20 seconds long. And then a video that was like a minute long. And then I slowly built my way up. And uh, what you see is, you know, this gradual increase in your level of confidence, but also competence as uh, you build the skill set. You see, you know, it takes a long time. Like I started three three and a half years ago or something like that. And Bill started on YouTube five years ago. So you can see the, the sort of progression of uh, these various things. And obviously his stuff is much more complex in terms of layers to it. I mean, he has a music element, a comedy element. His animation is pretty insane. And the amount of time he spends on some of these, poof, we'll see that in a second too. So uh, why I like Bill's music, but more importantly, why I like his videos is uh, the number one thing, which I mentioned before, not the number one thing, but one of the number one things is the dude's smartest balls. All right. And <laughs> as I've written here, I understand that might not be the correct phraseology, but the thing that I really respect about Bill Wirtz is he is massively creative, obviously, but when you just see the way that he writes and the jokes that he has and the little bits of little tidbits that he includes in all of his, uh, all of his videos, he's just obviously a really, really intelligent guy. And as an example, I just took some tweets because he tweets every day and once every day, which is, you know, another thing, another thing we'll get into related to scheduling. But we can see here, like in this one, it says, uh, sometimes I like to cross a river the long way, right? You know, like lengthwise instead of widthwise. use your bed as a weapon and put your enemies to sleep. And what these really are, which is why I relate to them, is their jokes. They're fundamentally the same thing. They have a setup. Uh, well, not exactly that there's the, the way the jokes work really is they have a setup and a punchline. And this is a bit different because the setup and the punchline are merged into the same sentence. So it's really interesting because, uh, you know, you could imagine someone using this as some variety of a, of a one-liner, you know, the idea of like, Oh, I was thinking about crossing a river and then this happened and people would imagine it and find it funny. Uh, but the thing that's so obscure about this is you can't really use this as a stand-up material because people wouldn't really get it. They wouldn't really know when to laugh. I mean, they might take a second and think about it and then it would hit them. But this almost strikes strikes you as a, it couldn't be a setup and it couldn't be a punchline. It's both put in together. And uh, from my experience, at least writing stuff like this, and I don't write this way, you know, mine's much more traditional. Here's the setup, here's the punchline, maybe here's a little bit extra or whatever it may be. Uh, this is very, like, this is very smart. To me, I was really impressed because I was like, how the fuck do you come up with this shit like every day? Um, because one thing I've also noticed is on YouTube in general, there's a lot of people who work really hard. There's a lot of people who make some videos that are kind of funny, but in terms of actual really, really smart writing, 
I honestly haven't seen many people do much better than Bill Wirtz. And that's one of the reasons why I uh, really admire him and interact with him every now and again, <laughs> now and again. And uh, so we see here, Bill Wirtz says, my favorite game is cat and mouse. Uh, I like to be both the cat and the mouse. And I'm taking this post. I mean, I did write this, but uh, <laughs> this is from r slash Bill Wirtz memes where they, uh, they enjoyed it. And I said, whenever I see your tweets, Bill, I can never quite be sure if you're a creative genius or just doing a daily running commentary on your experience with psychedelics. And I was like, ha ha ha. I thought that was a funny comment because that's what I think. But Ethan Klein from H3H3 and uh, the H3H3 podcast took it one step further. And I finally got to, <laughs> got to find my answer. I would say when I look at your style, I would consider it to be almost psychedelic. Do you, uh, sure. is that an influence on you at all? No, not, not physically. Hmm. Not physically. No. Wait, no, what was, what, was, what do you mean? Do you take acid? You <laughs> no, I've never, I've never done it. So as you may have noticed there, uh, the thing that I noticed was Bill was actually kind of offended by that question. Uh, which makes me feel bad and also reinforces the idea why uh, he has never liked, retweeted, or <laughs> responded to any of my tweets at him. So, you know, feels bad, but that's <laughs> such is life. You know, as long as the people like it. I also just want to point out this. I thought this was quite funny. Well, I love Ethan, but uh, no, not, not. I love the way he physically. drinks this water. Mm, not physically. No. Wait, no, what? He kind of misses at the very beginning. <laughs> okay, so anyway, moved on to the next slide. Uh, so the next thing that I love about Bill Wirtz is he's got an insane creative drive. And this is a little bit different than work ethic in the sense that work ethic is almost like you do what you got to do because it's going to be worth it. And the difference that I've noticed in Bill Wirtz is he almost has this insatiable just hunger to produce work and do things creatively. And... If you hear him speak, he's always just like, I have to make, I have to do things, I have to produce things. And that's all that he ever fucking does. And uh, what you're looking at here is uh, this column on the left, I believe, are all of his songs. I took a screenshot of all of his songs as a text format that he puts on his website. All of these are all of his videos. And then uh, all of these ones on the right are his personal diary entries. And these are maybe, you know, between uh, one sentence and one paragraph of just what he's thinking that day, what he's feeling, what his thoughts are. And uh, it's very, very interesting. And the thing that I find absolutely insane about this is this is almost all of this stuff is just kind of like these little songs, these little videos, these little pieces, these little, you know, and also he's got a fuck ton of air. Uh, we'll get in that in a second. I think we're about to get to the anagrams, but the amount of production this guy has is just almost unbelievable. And he's, I imagine, pretty introverted in the sense that he doesn't spend a whole lot of time communicating with people. He's said to himself he's kind of awkward and likes just kind of working on his own things. But the amount of time it takes to produce this type of stuff and also just generally when he's speaking, we'll get, we'll again get to that in a second. Uh, the amount of drive it takes to be able to produce this amount of content is it's strange. And, you know, I've heard people describe this before is there's a lot of people and I've met a few of them who are the types of people that if you just put them in a forest or anywhere where there's work to do, you know, they give them an ax, they'll just be chopping down trees. You know, they just almost can't help themselves, but do things. And I think this is an example of one of those people from a creative perspective. And that's one of the things that I really admire about him is the, the, you know, the pure, almost like artistic element in him. And that brings us to this next part, which I find very interesting, which is his, uh, he's an anagrams page. And so if you're not familiar, an anagram is a sentence or a word that you can rearrange the letters to make a new sentence or word. And so what he has is on his website, uh, people can submit these, you know, they'll submit a question or a sentence and he will, if he likes it, he'll turn it into a different sentence. So all of the letters in here are exactly the same letters in here. He just rearranged their order. And so he is, these are some of the longer ones that I chose. You can see, I hope doing these anagrams provides you with an intellectual challenge. And he changed that into guide me now as I get lunch, pray to religions and escape the hot lava in hell. And it's like coming up with that shit. Like, I'm not exactly sure how he does it. I imagine 
I, again, this is speculation. Maybe he doesn't do this, but I would imagine he would use like a anagram generator in order to figure out the words that trans translate or can be transposed. And then he would create the anagram from that, but I'm sure a lot of it, and maybe I'm completely wrong about that, but the amount of time this takes is insane. I spent a little bit of time earlier this afternoon when I was making this presentation with just like four or five words trying to make an anagram and I could barely get one and it was not that good and it took me forever. And uh, Bill Wirtz, no joke, has hundreds, if not thousands of these on his website. It's almost unbelievable. Like you kind of ask yourself, where do you get the time to do this? And uh, no one knows. <laughs> just again, he's he is a, a timeless musical deity that just exists through the ether and uh, creates this stuff um, kind of perpetually. All right, so moving on, we're obviously one of the most exciting parts of Bill Words' content is his video style. And uh, let's see, what, well, might as well just give you a fucking sample, right? Hi, I'm Steve. I drive a car. It's in a tree. Just kidding. My name's not Steve. I'm filing for an extension on my taxes because I didn't pay them and I'm not going to. Because that's the way I like to live my life. And I feel like everything's gonna be fine. I'm skipping work again. That's because I don't have a job. The mailman was late today and she was actually a woman. And she said, That's the way I like to live my life. saw the mountains but they've always been here now that i see them i'm wondering why they're there but they're here i can't climb them but i can because that's the hey here's the mail dear steve that's not my name but whatever dear steve how did you climb this mountain well i'm glad you asked that it's part of a two-step program find the mountain climb the thing that's the way we can get things done and that's how i do it it's easy Bye, I'm Steve. Wow, what a piece of content. And so from the actual style perspective, what I think, finally I have something I can actually comment on because you know, at least I, at least I make some fucking YouTube videos, is that uh, one thing that I noticed that was quite interesting, to me at least, is that there's three distinct voices in his video production. And those three voices are your narrator, which is kind of like just telling all the regular components of the story. Um, it's the, it's the, uh, I have a car, it's in a tree, uh, here I am in my house. Those are just the regular story elements. And then you have a secondary dialogue, which is the sort of funny, clever element, uh, responding to those sentences almost interchangeably. Like one sentence will come in that's normal, responded to by one piece of funny dialogue. It's almost like an internal dialogue. And then of course you have the sort of musical chorus that, you know, is in there. And so, um, just to, uh, maybe I can just go back a second and take a look at it. Hi, I'm Steve. I drive a car. It's in a tree. So it's like, hi, I'm Steve. I'm in a, I drive a car. It's in a tree. That's the normal narrator voice. Oh my God. It's skipped. All right. Forget about that. <laughs> forget about that. We don't need it. I prepared for this. I got another slide coming up. So, uh, at any rate, so those are the three voices that you'll see in uh, most of his videos that are musical. Um, and one of the key elements of this is, uh, the stream of consciousness. And this is something used by a number of writers it's not super common but i like james joyce is an example where it's just like you start talking and you just go where your thinking goes you can imagine how you dream like when you have a dream uh you have a general idea of what's going on maybe you're trying to go somewhere like you're in your dream you're trying to get to school and then all of a sudden halfway to school it's like you know vin diesel just kind of like tarzan swings in, in front of your mom driving you <laughs> driving her car and then all of a sudden you've been swept into into the ocean onto a pirate ship and you're like playing sea of thieves and then all of a sudden you have to you realize that you have to build to protect the ship from the enemy and now you're playing Fortnite, and then it swings back to the time that you were uh, <laughs> you know now you're in a swimming pool with no pants on or whatever the fuck and that whole thing obviously makes no sense in hindsight but as you're dreaming it and living it and thinking it uh, it's, it's perfectly logical from step to step to step to step. And that's almost a style that he sort of preserves in these videos, maybe a little bit more toned down than that. Thankfully, you know, there's no, <laughs> there's no Fortnite in these ones. Um, but that theme, you'll see that, uh, each verse and each, um, 
each sort of uh, segment of you know speech or writing will segue into the next little segment, which is uh, something that's that's pretty unique about what he's doing. So in this next little video, I actually edited what we just saw to not have the funny dialogue or the musical chorus, just to emphasize what the narrator the the narrator is. Because I think, you know, if you're out there and you're trying to make a video like Bill Wirtz or that genre of thing, and I'm saying, oh, there's three voices, it might be difficult to really understand what that means. But uh, we're going to take a look at what, uh, what his video would look like if it didn't have the funny dialogue, the responding sort of internal monologue that's responding to the narration and the musical chorus. Hi, I'm Steve. I drive a car. It's in a tree. I'm filing for an extension on my taxes because I'm skipping work again. The mailman was late today. I don't remember why I first saw the mountains, but they've always been here. Now that I see them, I'm wondering why they're there. But they're here. I can't climb them. But I can. Dear Steve, how did you climb this mountain? Well, I'm glad you asked that. It's part of a two-step program. Find the mountain, climb the thing. Look, it's the five-day forecast for where I live. Wow, it feels bad. So the thing you'll notice is it's still pretty good. <laughs> so that's what I noticed. I was like, fuck, this is still good. They took out the funny, like, clever dialogue, and it's still, it's still fantastic. And the reason why, and this is probably one of the most important parts, is because people who write into me and they're like, hey, Jamie, can you look at my video? I, I'm going to be the most successful person on YouTube of all time. Can you just check my video? Like maybe give me a shout out or something. And then I get it and I watch the video and it's actually not very good. Uh, it's it's not because they don't have the funniest jokes or that they don't have um, just like the most creative original idea. It's actually because they don't have these basic things, which is what we just saw in that little edited version, which is still kind of interesting and funny, even though they took out the funny bits. And the music is that the cadence and the timing is excellent. This is like the whole thing to do with delivery, the whole, uh, like that segment where he's just very quickly narrating the whole sequence of events. And then there's a very slow and uh, methodical transition to the, you know, can you climb a mountain, et cetera, et cetera. I, oh, it's mountains. I can't climb them, but I can. Like that is just timing. That's cadence. That's just delivery. That's pure delivery and execution. And then uh, also his drawings are funny. Like he's got funny drawings, like the rain at the end, the little happy man walking around, the mountains, the sudden transition from a little simple house and a car and a tree to the mountains. Illustrations are great. So if you're ever out there trying to make some content, this is at the core of what makes Bill Wirtz's stuff good. It's the, it's the execution, it's the cadence, it's the timing, it's the delivery, and it's the good little uh, transitions and all that type of stuff. So, of course, uh, this is a question that I think is really interesting. Uh, and uh, we're about to see a clip that I edited to explain this, which is what do the lyrics mean? And we're going to look at a different video, which is Mount St. Helens is about to blow up, also about mountains. And what I've done in this is I have taken Bill Wirtz's video, Mount St. Helens is about to blow up, and I have uh, mixed it with the genius interview uh, with Bill Wirtz of him analyzing the lyrics. Cause in the analysis, they just have him repeat the words. So I've actually mashed them together and, uh, we'll see what he says the lyrics mean in this video. I was on a business trip to Portland, Oregon. I got back on Sunday. So I pretty much had to finish the writing and then do the song and the video and all that by the following Tuesday. So I had about 11 days. So it was, it was crunch time. I mean, that was quicker than I ever did. To the song. I've heard it's an active volcano, and I think any research I did was after I finished the song. So I really didn't know what I was talking about. Mount St. Helens is about to blow up, and it's gonna be a fine swell day. Everything's gonna fall down to the ground and turn gray. Music writing, songwriting technique to write about something bad with a good sounding melody. Because if you can get people to feel good about something bad, then you're bulletproof in life. All of my friends, family, and animals probably going to run away. But me, I'm feeling curious, so I think I just might stay. So that's just a nice sort of against the grain thing. It's just nice to point, paint a picture that everyone is running uh, away from the disaster, but it's like, you know, let's see what's going on over there. The Dow Jones just fell down to zero, and it's going to be a fine swell day. 
For the second verse, you want a, another, you just want another natural disaster to be parallel to, to that. So instead of doing a physical one, it was just, it was nice to do a financial one. And I wonder if it's gonna be as good a day as yesterday. I'm not sure what that means, but it raises a couple of questions. Is it a good, was it a good day yesterday? Was it, how good, which day is the good day? All of these business suits that I've just purchased, gonna have to throw them all away. Slip into something more reasonable and then dance the night away. Stock market's crashing, so you know, business, you don't need the business suits. You don't need to do business, you know, throw them away. And then slip into something more reasonable. I've had an infatuation with the word reasonable probably ever since I saw um, Tim and Eric reasonable shirts. So I just love the word reasonable. Just such a fun, fun word to say. I'm riding don't know what it means, but I know that it feels real floaty. Green angle, you know, very, very slippy. And the people who work in my office went on vacation. Cause they say that I haven't been paying them very much anymore. It's kind of a longer way of saying my employees, but the people who, I don't know, it's just, eh. Super windy. I just wanted to get real, just, just go, just, just run away, just get lost. That's kind of the theory with these bridges, is just get, get lost and then find your way back. Mount St. Helens has a pretty cool gift shop and I haven't been there in a while and I've been wondering if it's even still there. We want to use the title just to kind of bring it back to reality here. So, so yeah, what else do we have? You know, the gift shop. I actually, I don't know if there's a gift shop. I think someone told me there is a gift shop. And the climate has been changing Soon it's gonna change more And we'll figure out People are like people like to argue about the change, the climate change. I don't know. Take a ride on my blimp. Oh, it's a very strong blimp. You can watch movies and play games while riding on it. After the climate change discussion, it sounds almost like we're going on the blimp to escape. When the sun goes down and the sky burns out. This is sort of a special feeling thing to me, the, just sort of the feeling of escaping from apocalyptic scenarios. There's something that feels very nice to me about, about just this, like the world is blowing up, but, but we're, we're safe in some kind of escape vehicle. Mount St. Helens is feeling crazy and adventurous. That's the reason that it's so special. Helens is feeling crazy. That's the stepping stone and adventurous. And then we land back on the key of G. So that's just the way we needed to kind of go to kind of stepping stone back into the original key. And the lyrics, I can't tell you where they came from in that in that case. And it takes no Bob Dylan song. I've hardly listened to any Bob Dylan, but there is a Bob Dylan song. I think it's called Hard Rain is Gonna Fall. And in the verses of that, he is like, it's like list form, but it, I feel like it's going diagonally. I was sort of trying to do that so that like the lines don't quite connect to the previous, but it's like diagonal motion. I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so anyway, the moral of the story is Bill Wirtz doesn't know what he's doing either. So uh, to note, 
the first note that I have is it took him 11 days to write that song. And it, he said that's the longest, I'm sorry, that's the shortest period of time he's ever had to write a song. Uh, and so the moral of the story is get, get off my fucking back about the two-week upload schedule. <laughs> if Bill Wirtz can't do it, I, I definitely can't do it. So, yo, chill, you guys. Fucking chill. Okay, so next, second point. Um, again, most lyric choices that he mentioned are based on how they relate to the previous verse, which is, again, going to this tree of consciousness thing. And I think this is actually part of the reason why it seems like he kind of has a hard time really explaining the quote-unquote meaning behind the uh, each of the, the lyrics in each of the verses is because, again, he's really just kind of almost um, walking himself through this imaginary journey and then writing down what he's seeing and experiencing through a, um, you know, lyrical and rhyming pattern. So it's not necessarily that, and I, I've touched on this a little bit here, it's the idea of an aesthetic versus an emotional writing. And this is, this is pretty like, okay, okay, Jamie, all right. But uh, the theme here is that, um, in my opinion, like when you listen to most songs on, uh, on the radio, you listen to pop music, you listen to a lot of um, indie rock, that type of stuff, um, people really write about how they felt in a certain situation, like they'll write a story and they'll write a story about heartbreak. They'll write a story about depression. They'll write a story about success or whatever it might be. And the chorus is almost like tying back into that emotional high point or low point. And then the verses kind of fill in the blanks around what happened, what they were thinking. Whereas, uh, what Bill described a little bit, he described it twice actually, which is, uh, once he said, uh, when someone, he was like, Oh yeah, I don't even know if there's a, yeah, so then I wanted to bring it back to reality because he was getting kind of off and he's like, oh, what's if you're imagining in your head, if you're drifting off into this sort of dream world where it's getting a little loose, a little psychedelic, and you're like bringing it back to reality, one of the most realistic, commercial, and just grounded things that you can think of, which is also kind of funny, is a gift shop. He brings it back to a gift shop. And then he's like, oh yeah, so I brought it back to the gift shop. And I don't even know if there is a gift shop, but someone told me that there's a gift shop there. And that's almost like how he writes his videos. That little phrase could have been grabbed and then put into its own fucking Bill Wirth song. Like that little, you know, the way that he was speaking was exactly the same thing I mentioned before with the uh, narrating voice and the, you know, the little funny inner dialogue that counteracts that. And so I thought that was kind of funny. And then he also mentioned how he was imagining that final cascade of lyrics as a diagonal slope falling downwards. And like that it, it sounds a little bit like you know like uh slam poetry type you know you know when people like write poems and then they like sort of plop them on the page in like weird distributions so it's like oh it's a, it's a poem about someone pouring maple syrup and then the poem the way they put the words across the page looks like someone pouring syrup and you're like okay but uh to his point what i think is quite interesting is like when you're writing things like this, especially when you start writing, say for me, when I'm writing like a little essay or a little uh, joke and the whole thing is connected, you almost start seeing the things that you're writing as little shapes, as little like chunks of writing. And you're like, okay, well, this is the big, this is a big chunk. This is a small chunk. This is a medium chunk in terms of how hard the content's going to hit, what value it has, how many, you know, um, syllables and all that type of genre of thing. And you're going to start in your head to make it much easier to rearrange in your, your, whatever you're making, you'll start rearranging those pieces as shapes or whatever it may be, rather than as simply sentences that you're writing. So I thought that was really interesting because for him, the way he's describing it is almost like he's creating art rather than like, you know, this is the story about the time that I broke up with my ex-girlfriend and like, I really miss her. Like, and you're just like, you know, going back into your soul to find like the perfect sentence that can express the pain and suffering. And so I think it's quite different because in most pop or rap or hip hop, you'll have that backstory. So on Genius or something like that, when someone tells that story, um, they're going to be like, yeah, you know, this, like when I compared my heart to just like, you know, a cut open Ziploc bag, like that's just how I felt. <laughs> and Bill Wirtz is just like, yeah, I like the, I like diagonals. Like this is like a descending slope of, you know, like shapes, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, this is my big idea and these are smaller ones and I wanted to taper off the, the significance of the song. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> and that's what he really means. I, I would think is the sort of, um, uh, how he's sort of tapering off the, the significance of the song to go, to go from a more complex idea to a simple closing, pleasant, 
ending melody and lyrics. So that was just the point I wanted to make. Okay, so next one is is Bill as a person, and this is the most fucking interesting part. And we're gonna start with a little piece that I can relate to um, because it's about video production. And um, I'm obviously a very different person than Bill, but I can relate a little bit to some of the stuff he says, not in the next slide, but in the slide after. So this particular topic of Bill as a person is related to perfectionism because he talks a lot about that. And so my particular anecdote related to this is for me, I have a little bit of perfectionistic tendencies in the sense that when I'm doing something, I hate when it's not done. As an example, it's not done exactly how I want it to be done. As an example, when I originally thought about making this show, the What Makes It Good, and you know, obviously this is the first time ever doing it, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be pretty shit in a lot of ways, but my original version of this, I was going to do, it was actually going to be on Bill Wirtz again, this was going to be six months ago or a year ago, and it was going to be these short 10 minute videos, really dense really packed with those edited videos that I showed before. And I just wanted it to be like, you know, here's the, their rise to fame and their backstory. And then my little interlude and my comments. And then, you know, the, their, the little most dramatic points and like how they make their content so good. And then this really like little nice little ending that ties it all together. It'll be so great. And that was my idea. When I made the first episode, <clears throat> it took me as long as it took me to make a casually explained episode. So, so if Jimmy were here, he'd be like, oh, a couple hours then? Ha ha ha, very funny. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Jimmy, I imagine you're in the chat. I'm just kidding. Uh, and uh, not really, I'm, my feelings are actually just hurt. But uh, so anyway, it took me as long as the casually explained videos. And so I was like, well, look, I can't do both. That was just, it's just too much time. So I didn't do it. And my way of sort of overriding the you know perfectionism that I had for making this video exactly the piece that I wanted it to be was saying, hey, you know, do it live. And then that way you're forcing yourself not to be like, oh, I, you know, I said, um, there, oh, I don't like the structure of this. It's like, hey, you know, work on it the day off, spend the day working on it. But hey, you know, when it's time to go live, it's time to go live. So that's your, that's your deadline, so to speak. And so that's the way that I sort of dealt with that sort of thing. And it ties a lot into uh, what Mr. Bill is saying in this next one. And this is from the uh, H3H3 podcast when they had uh, Bill Bill on there. Because we have a question thread that we put on our subreddit for okay. people to submit questions for you. Yeah. And there was a question there that was my favorite. And it was, how did you kill perfectionism? Well, <laughs> yeah, you can use a steamroller or a bulldozer. <laughs> it becomes incredibly important to do that when you have it as badly as I do. Mm -hmm. you from, or you're never going to get anywhere unless you have a serious strategy for steamrolling right over perfection. Mm -hmm. so, so you start to do, there's one I did called uh, Monday, like Good Fire Truck, mm -hmm. which is like, that's probably, I think, hit the mark the best in terms of flattening perfectionism, just mm -hmm. like, just just mash it. And that, that <laughs> satisfies you when you smash your perfectionist. Yeah, if it means you can get something done instead of mm -hmm. not. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And after you create a work, do you look back and see like, oh, I could have done no. this different or that different or that's in the past and it's time to move forward. No, no. When it's done, you're happy. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't look at it. Interesting. Yeah. And so... Too scary. The schedule <laughs> defeats the perfectionism. When you hit your schedule, that's it. Well, it doesn't defeat the perfectionism, but it... it, it it's like a tool it, it to... It drags you along. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It, you know, you get beat up and mm. cut, but you, you get there. And so I think the uh, interesting thing to like take away from this, because I just wanted to talk about that idea of making things that are high quality, you know, using the Bill Wirtz type of thing. And he obviously does this to such an insane degree with some of his videos being like, you know, his longer ones, you know, 15 or 20 minutes long and just like down to the second, almost perfect, at least in my opinion. Um, but sort of like comparing that to at least a little bit of my experience, you know, what he's talking about with the idea of using deadlines as an as a way to force yourself to release content and have it done by then um the idea being is what you'll find is if you're in this position where you're making content basically as your job or as, even if you're just like trying to pump stuff out first of all your natural tendency is you know it's finished when it's finished it's done when i decide it's done and so obviously it's very easy to procrastinate but also the problem that you get to is you have this ideal in your head of what it's supposed to look like and that's say a hundred percent. And so what happens is after two weeks, you get to 80% and it's like 80% there. You spend another two weeks and you get to 90%, but then you spend another month, you get to 95%. And then you spend another three months, you get to 98%. And then you get to 99% after a year. And it's like, you're basically 
that a hundred that idea of perfection that you have in your mind is an asymptote that you can never ever ever reach and so when you're making content as a career and you have to release things for your own livelihood and in addition to that you don't even know what your 100 percent is once you release a video you get enough feedback that your new standard is actually higher than what your 100% was before. So the lesson that he's saying there that I completely agree with is this idea where you should set a deadline that's going to allow you to make your content to that 90 or 95%, I would say about 90% level where you're like, you know what, it's 90% of the way to the best thing that I could make right now. And that's when you should release it to go to because to go to from that 90% to like 99% is going to take more than three or four times as much time. And so what you want to be doing is forcing yourself to release things, even though they're not quite perfect, because the information you're going to get back from that is going to allow you to make the future content, you know, your, your 100% is going to be a higher bar than before. And that's the way that you're going to progress instead of, instead of winning that one game, you're trying to win the match or the set or whatever you want to call it. And so just like related to his comment, he suggested using deadlines and that's what he uses. And to me, I gave an example of how I use deadlines before, but another thing that you can consider is because say for me, uh, what I spend a lot of time doing is writing. I try to write my videos a lot, like spend most time focusing on the jokes and the, the structure and whatever it might be. And so for me, what I have here is, um, I like to space the production and spacing the production means when you're uh, producing content, as in when you're writing new things into the word document or whatever it may be, um, I like to separate those. And you'll find that if you spend, uh, say nine hours on one day, that is not as productive as three hours spread out over three days. So nine hours on Monday is not as effective as three hours on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, in terms of new content that's creative and original that you're coming up with. And even better than that, instead of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, three hours, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, three hours is going to be even better. And of course, there's a bit of a, you know, there's an art to it. You know, you could say, well, is that, does that mean the best is three hours on one week and then three hours the next week and then three hours the next week? And the answer is it very well might be, um, but then you never get anything done. So you have to space those intelligently. Um, uh, because again, it's like, it's like cramming for an exam, you know, 12 hours in one day is clearly not as efficient. And this is actually, you know, you can prove this to yourself if you're someone who writes for a living or whatever you want to want to say. Uh, so then, um, the other one is lowering your standards in production. And again, this is, uh, the key word being production when you're writing things and producing things, lower your standards, uh, and uh, then tighten your edits. The idea being, uh, you may have heard the phrase, uh, write, drunk, edit, sober. And that's attributed to, you know, Ernest Hemingway or something like that. But, you know, whoever they attribute it to apparently never said it. But the theme being is, you know, if you're drunk, you lower your standards for what you're writing because everything you write, you think is fucking fantastic. Um, but then you edit sober because, you know, you can write a thousand shitty words and then throw 900 of them away when you edit. So that's the key. You know, if you ever find yourself in a sort of uh, writer's block situation, just be like, write about what makes you angry, write about what makes you sad. Just write fucking something, write about having writer's block, just start writing. And that's, what's going to uh, get you out of it. Okay. So the, uh, the final part of this, uh, presentation, I guess is, uh, another, I think this is actually the most interesting part that I found out of everything the single most fascinating thing that I'm surprised that, you know, even exists is the, uh, the Bill Wirtz diaries. And these are a series of, uh, videos that Bill Wirtz made that sort of, uh, catalog his, uh, thoughts moment to moment as he's going through this creative process. And keep in mind that, you know, he started this a long time ago, think like, man, almost 10 years ago, I think maybe even more than 10 years ago. And it's about him talking about what he's doing, what he's trying to do, what his struggles are writing wise, creativity wise, um, all that type of stuff. And I, I, uh, a person on YouTube, I think their name was naked flame. And if I got that wrong, I'll, I'll check. Um, but they made a compilation of all of these videos in chronological order. So I took those and I just chose some specific ones that I thought were really interesting and then put them into this thing. And these go back several years and I just, you know, crunched a few of them together. So. 
we can take a look because I think this really goes into the kind of person that he is and the way that he thinks about stuff. I'm desperate to do something that means something. So many things mean so much to me. I've got to figure out what to do here, man. I just don't know anymore. Don't you think I have this? I don't want to settle for not the best shit. Why would you settle for less than that? If the best shit is in there. And can heal the day. Can save your face. It's enough to just make you want to just flatten yourself. I'm clearly a songwriter trapped in a stubborn little bitch's clothing. I guess I'm never gonna fall. January 27th, 2013, it's like almost the end of the world because everything is stupid and nothing means anything. We're gonna run like the wind for the, on the song list. It's like I'm having a dream where I'm running across the desert. Or not a desert, it's just a big, big field. And the sun is going down, and I'm running across the field. And I know the distance is pretty far, but if I just run and don't stop running, I'll be able to get there. There's always these moments like, am I doing the right thing? Am I crazy for just posting original songs on a website? Is anyone gonna ever see it or care? Or what's the point of all of that? So I did YouTube, I was wrestling with Google YouTube. I was ready to freaking throw the computer on the ground. I optimized my icon and banner, uploaded all the videos since February 3rd. So here's what's happening. It's week 14 of the five day. Sure drool. So it's 2014. I realize I live alone. I might as well live in Alaska. Man, no viewership is hitting me like a ton of bricks. I would like to try History of Japan, just because it's random. I know nothing about it, it just seems like a sweet spot. Japan, I don't know. I can't have this take forever. So that's the only thing that's keeping this moving forward faster. It's just fear of having it take forever. This is really feeling like the thing that I'm supposed to be doing in my life, except for music. Japan thing has taken a long time, but we're gonna get through it. And if I lean into this and away from the vines just a little bit, it's a risk, but it's necessary. So the big news is potentially that we just went to zero vines. We made a serious decision to stop doing vines, which I know seems like madness, but we're doing it for a good reason. We're finishing the long projects, and then we're finishing more projects after that. So if uh, some of you know the end of the story, uh, he finished a long project, and then he finished uh, a longer project after that, and that's the history of Japan, and then subsequently history of the, history of the entire world, I guess. And uh, here's just a little... It's a little sneak peek if you haven't seen it before. Hi, you're on a rock, floating in space. Pretty cool, huh? Some of it's water. Fuck it, actually most of it's water. I can't even get from here to there without buying a boat. It's sad. I'm sad. I miss you. How did this happen? A long time ago, actually never, and also now, nothing is nowhere. When? Never. Makes sense, right? Like I said, it didn't happen. Nothing was never anywhere. That's why it's been everywhere. It's been so everywhere, you don't need a where. You don't even need a when. That's how every it gets. There it is, 54 million views. Look, it's fucked. Oh my god. Wow. And then there you go. History of Japan and history of the entire world, I guess. Over 10 million views in the first week for history of Japan. I think the history of the entire world got even more than that. History of the entire world is the number two video of all time on Reddit. The number one is, uh, you know, one of those more. Yeah, I think that was the what happens when one radio when one cable company owns you know all the local tv networks or something so that one doesn't really count so i think it's the number one video of all time in terms of actual entertainment and creative content um and as far as i remember this might not be correct but i think he spent around 12 weeks on the history of japan and then he spent a year on history of the entire world and uh, that just goes to show the idea that uh, people always talk about uploading daily versus weekly versus whatever on youtube and in my opinion whatever you think about the algorithm or whatever it may be fundamentally i think if you make absolutely brilliant content like mr bill wirtz does you get the rewards for it a hundred percent and uh even here down in these social blade graphs that i have i couldn't go back quite far enough but this is actually just right as the history of japan came out kind of over here to the left and it started dipping down here and then over here we see where uh, history of the entire world came out and you can see how elevated those uh, monthly views are 
just from honestly one video over here, two videos over there. And then he has his regular releases of, of content as well. So that's, um, pretty much that's, that's how Mr. Bill Wirtz got to where he is now and why I, uh, man, why I appreciate that guy, uh, so much, even if he never replies to my tweets, but I understand why. And so to close, I wanted to, um, show this little video of him accepting the shorty award for best in weird. And the award goes to Bill Wirtz. Hey! Uh. Uh, yeah. Come on, do a dance, baby. Thank you. Wow. The, uh, I just want to point out the best part of that is, uh, right here. He, uh, leans over to the people by the door and says, uh, something like, keep the door open. I'll be quick. Uh, yeah. G give me a sec. Come on, do a dance, baby. Right here. Just watch this. I'll be quick. Keep the door open. Because <laughs> he wants to fucking leave, dude. He wants to fight. No one wants to be at the short doors. <laughs> All right. So anyway, that is, uh, that's my man, Bill Wirtz. Um, I hope that you uh, found this first What Makes It Good interesting. Um, of course, this is the very first episode. I will be uh, taking a look at how it goes and trying to uh, make the future ones a little bit, uh, a little bit better, as good as I possibly can. But uh, regardless, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And what I'm going to do is if anybody has any questions related to Bill Wirtz and or the content he makes or making content in general, I am very happy to answer a few questions on that topic. FR3, Fred61 says, this isn't a question, but do you know Bill doesn't monetize his videos? Yeah, I probably should have included that, but um, it's true. Bill doesn't monetize his videos. He, uh, actually, that's not exactly true. I mean, it pretty much is true, but he has, uh, he monetizes his videos, but there's no ads. He only gets YouTube red revenue, um, but he puts no ads on his video and he has a Patreon. So I probably should have put that in the in the segment, but, uh, yeah, if any of you guys want to support him, you can find his, uh, Patreon and, uh, and, and go there, but, um, he just hates ads. He's not, a, he doesn't like watching them. So he didn't want to put anyone through that. So he's obviously leaving a lot of money on the table in that regard, but, um, pretty respectable. He also said that, um, he gets his revenue from, uh, people donating through PayPal and through Patreon and from the YouTube red. Jao Victor 1105. Do you think he's going to be respected as an incredible artist in the next decades? I think it really depends on what he decides to do, you know, cause he, uh, he's obviously a fairly pretty introverted guy. Um, I don't know how much he'd even want to be in the limelight, you know, how much, what kind of projects he'd be willing to take on. But the thing that I notice is that he's incredibly creative, really smart, and he works really hard. So I think those are the, the, that's the formula for success. And I think he'd be really good at anything that he does in the same way someone like, um, Bo Burnham is, um, it just, I think really comes down to, uh, what he decides to do and what he really wants. He, uh, mentioned that he's going to be going on tour likely, uh, very soon. So if you want to go see him, he'll be, uh, touring around. Empire's Innocent, no, I would win in Smash 100%. No, this, <laughs> don't even joke about that. I would win in Smash. What's your favorite short video from Bill? I like Hi, I'm Steve. That's one of my favorites, to be honest. The one that I showed at the very beginning, near the beginning. Uh, Max Planet says, casually explained, you talked about his cadence with his viewers. You find yourself using this concept a lot in your own videos. Is he your main inspiration as far as aiming for such a cadence? Uh, 
well, he's not my main inspiration because that's more to me like cadence and to rephrase cadence what i think is because he he's very musical so cadence is actually like a, a literal thing that he has to deal with but as far as say just the pacing of your video goes and your delivery which i think is the primary fundamental aspect that you're talking about no matter what content you're making, if you're doing a presentation at work, if you're making, if you're doing stand-up, if you're making a YouTube video, if you're making an educational video, like say your vocal tonality and your cadence and your uh, patterns of speech and your delivery, those as one unit, which I think you could fundamentally say is your delivery and presentation, those are fundamentals that will make your content good. That that's like the one of the core elements that you need it doesn't matter if you have the funniest joke ever if your delivery sucks no one will ever laugh even if you have a shitty joke and you have good delivery people will still find it entertaining uh and a lot of youtubers are <laughs> a lot of youtubers are like that so to me uh cadence is not something that i you know i or any like hopefully successful youtubers learn from bill Wirtz. um i was already i didn't even learn about him until maybe a year ago or two years ago I guess two or three years ago when uh, History of Japan came out, but um, for that pacing and delivery, that is a fundamental core necessity to making good YouTube videos or good content in general. And I'm just uh, very impressed by how well he does it. To me, he does it almost perfectly. Another person who does it almost perfectly is actually James from The Odd Ones Out. He has an animation channel that's a little bit more focused for you know a younger audience. But man, it sounds like he's just telling a story candidly, even though he's actually reading. It's it's he does a remarkably good job of that too. But uh, Trinket says, at what point does focusing on monetary gain in your YouTube career become scummy? What do you think about content farms that upload four to eight videos a day to make money? Uh, well, it depends on. To me, it's just like what people are making is things that are generally speaking entertainment. Uh, even channels that have quote-unquote educational content, say documentaries or like CGP Grey or Courage Desat, they are at their core um, entertainment. Because if you really wanted education, you'd go read an article, you'd go read Wikipedia, you'd go read the sources of Wikipedia, you'd go and read uh, a textbook. People aren't really looking to be educated uh, in general. If they can learn a few facts or a few tidbits they can bring up in conversation later, that's great. But fundamentally what you're making is entertainment and uh so if you're making if you're one of those content farms that pumps out four to eight recipe videos on facebook but each of them gets millions of views it's like people are enjoying watching those and even if the recipes don't work which a lot of them don't uh well you know most people aren't even making that recipe and they're just getting the satisfaction of you know living their life imagining if they made this amazing three ingredient peanut butter cookie recipe like that type of shit um, so the point that I think is more relevant that you're making is, you know, at what point does focusing on monetary gain in your YouTube career become scummy? And to me, um, there's just a, a line between sort of exploitation and, uh, you know, when you do something for the money versus when you do something for the, the, the art or the creativity. And it's like, well, if there was no potential for some type of upside, whether that comes from, you know, the gratification of people liking your videos and quote unquote, you know, get, getting notoriety or becoming famous versus say monetary gain, uh, no one would do it because it would just be, you know, it's the same thing as writing the jokes and throwing them in the garbage because what's the point? Um, most people wouldn't do it. Um, so to me, it really just comes down to, uh, comes down to uh, asking yourself, okay, what is the compensation that is ethical? And to me, I actually took the opposite route of Bill Wirtz, which I think is kind of interesting, which is he has Patreon and takes donations. And I had a Patreon for a month and then I closed it because I, don't, I didn't like that. I didn't like the Patreon model. I didn't like how they operated as a company way, 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 way back when I did this. But also, uh, I just didn't like the idea of a constant exchange of people giving you money as a donation because I didn't like how um, unclear it was the fact that people didn't know what your actual reimbursement was from YouTube. And so they're giving you money. And a lot at the time, a lot of creators were downplaying their YouTube income in order to get more Patreon revenue, which I thought was just disgusting to, to me. And so it's just like, well, I'm going to pick one or the other. And to me, I was like, I'd rather just show ads. And to me, it felt more like an exchange that way. To me, that was kind of like selling merchandise. I've given you something and uh, you've paid me back. And that's like, I've made this content, but to watch the content, you have to watch a 30 second ad. 
and that reimburses me to some degree. And to me, I felt that was more fair than participating in this sort of, you know, scummy Patreon stuff that a lot of people were doing at the time. Um, but I actually really like his approach to his sort of like, I'm not going to put on any ads, but I'm going to take donations in Patreon. And I think that's you know, really, really smart and very artistic. I think if any like artistic, but I mean, I think Bill is a very pure artist in the sense that he just likes to create, he just likes to make stuff. So I think he's even more that way, much more that way than, than I am, which is really cool. All right, I think that'll be a, uh, enough questions for the night. I hope you enjoyed this uh, particular episode. And uh, we'll be back on Thursday for the podcast. We don't, I uh, haven't said what the theme will be. I will write that in Discord tomorrow. And uh, we will um, pick it up then. I hope that you enjoy this episode and uh, future episodes to come.